Welcome to the Shunwu Shibesong Podcast, a series of inspiring sermons by Pastor Shunwu Shibesong, lead pastor of the Grace Mead Christian Center. We do hope you'll be refreshed by today's message. Happy listening. I just feel like singing, but I should not because I don't have the time. I feel like singing because I'm so happy, I'm so excited to be here this morning. I'm so excited to be here. You can't imagine the joy in my heart, but just take it from me that I'm so grateful to God, so excited to be here, to see what God is doing with his children, to see what God is doing in this place, it is awesome. Can you please put your hands together for the Lord Jesus this morning? Come on, put your hands together for the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, somebody, thank Jesus. Lord, we give you the praise and the glory. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you for the beautiful privilege to be here. This is an opportunity and I do not take it for granted. Lord, thank you for the gift to God of Pastor Shio and Pastor Shio or Shigbeson. Thank you for their beautiful family, their children. Thank you for all the beautiful people that you brought into their lives. Thank you for all the pastors and the leaders and all the people that you have brought from far and near. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the grace-made family. Thank you, Jesus, for all you've done in the last five years. Thank you, Father, for the greater years to come. Lord, we are so grateful, oh God. Thank you, Father, because the testimonies indeed are loading. Lord, we give you praise, O oh God. We are excited, O oh God, about the future. Excited, O oh God, about what you're doing right now. Thankful, O oh God, for what you have done in time past. Lord, we give you praise. Have your way, O oh God, on this meeting. Have your way, O oh God, with every individual. Let there be no one who will step out of this place without being touched by your spirit, without being touched, O oh God, by your power, without being visited by you, Lord. And let your name be praised forever in our lives. Somebody in the next five years, you will look back and you will testify concerning today. Because today will be a landmark in your life. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, everlasting Father. In Jesus, the mighty name we are prayed. Come on, put your hands together for Jesus. Hallelujah. Before you take your seats, before you take your seats, help me celebrate your pastors. Help me celebrate your pastors this morning. If you don't celebrate them, I will take them back with me. Oh. <laughs> Praise God. God bless you. you. Can please take your seat in God's presence. Oh, glory to Jesus. Amen. I'm grateful to God for this beautiful moment. Thank you, Pastor Shil. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you, Pastor Shil. It makes it difficult. Pastor Shil and Shil. <laughs> I don't know how you guys do it, but Lord, well, thank God for you. Thank you so much for inviting me. And um, Pastor Sheon said something. He said, we're stuck together. I'm telling you, we are stuck. As in, we are really stuck together. And we have just begun. Because greater days are here in Jesus' name. My husband sends his love to you. And sends his love to all of you. Will you receive his love? Okay, please receive my husband's love this morning. Sends his love to all of you. Thank you so much. I want to appreciate all the beautiful people. 
Thank you for supporting Pastor Shion and Pastor Shion. Thank you for being there, for your consistency. I've seen you and I've known you for years. Even from way back, God bless you. Is that your, your sweetheart, right? I just put it, the two and two together. And I, knew, I know you separately, but it's good to see you. Thank you so much. Everyone, everyone, thank you. God bless you. Thank you for standing by them. Choir, you're awesome. Thank you for giving to the Lord. And of course, I will not stop without, I will not start preaching without appreciating the beautiful people that came with me from Ibadan. Please help me love on all this precious team of daughters and son who took their time to be here. Thank you, Balari Oladeti. Thank you so much. Um, Adelola, my PA, thank you for coming. Ireti, God bless you for serving. Ewaulua, thank you so much for being here. God bless you. Um, that uh, cutie that you're looking at, she's a mother of two boys, though. So that said, uh, no brother will be eyeing her from here. I needed to quickly put that out there. Amen. <laughs> okay, so, and I also know that my daughter and my son, they are here. Um, Abiodun uh, um, and Uluadam Lola and Abiodun, they are here too. This morning, please help me celebrate them. God bless you. And my baby Kiki. Yeah, thank you for coming to be with me this morning. And everyone, thank you so much for being here. It's going to be a blessed day in the name of Jesus Christ. You are doing an amazing work here, and I love you. I love you. Thank you for giving to the Lord. You know, I was telling Sean, please permit me. <laughs> That's what I've known all our lives together. I was telling her this morning and celebrating and appreciating her for yielding herself to the Lord. Um, she's so like me in so many ways. Um, I see her as a woman who God nudges her to do something without asking questions, she's going. She's, in fact, she's gone. Let me put it that way. And that's me for you. So you find me doing stuff, and I can tell you, it's just obedience, really. Anything that you've seen me do, all those things, all those accolades, I give everything to the Lord. He tells me, do it, and I'm running. In fact, I've done it already. Of course, with my husband's permission. So I'm grateful that we're married to good men. And we celebrate you. Thank you so much, Pastor Shil, for letting her be. All right. And I hope the men here are learning. Men, are you learning? If you're married, if you're a married man, let me see your hands up. If you're a married man, let me see your hands up. Praise God. Glory to the name of Jesus. Amen. Please follow Pastor Shil as he's following Jesus. Amen because he's gotten it right. He just mentioned what he's learned from his pastor, and I want you to also do the same. He always pays, I'm telling you. And it's easy, because what you see, you become. So you're blessed to already, you don't have to look out. You already have what you need to become in your house. And if you're a single, oh my God, you're so blessed. All the single men, praise the Lord. You're so blessed because now you have the chance to make the right decision, make the right choices, amen, and just look for a fine wife like uh, Pastor Show. Hallelujah. Make sure that you have a fine wife, but not just fine outwardly, fine in the spirit, amen. I said fine in the spirit because that's the only thing the devil fears. He doesn't fear the outward beauty, but when he sees you fierce, fiercely beautiful in the realm of the spirit, he will run. All right, so let all the guys take notes. Praise God. Minister, my, my brother, thank you for blessing us. I look forward to being, um, to, um, to us worshiping again together um, in the course of the service. Praise the Lord. Okay, so 
let me title this message, this thing called marriage. Because I was just thinking and thinking and thinking, I said, ah, what are we going to call this uh, message this morning? Oh, this, that which the Lord put in my heart and my spirit for you as Grace Made family, I was just thinking, and it just occurred to me, because it, just a few days ago, I was having a conversation with someone, and in the course of that conversation, I didn't know when I let that out. I just said, ah, this thing called marriage, you know? So I guess that's where that came from this morning. So help me look at your neighbor I say, and say, hi, neighbor. By now, you shouldn't be calling them neighbor. You should know their name. So say, hi. Uh-huh. If you don't know the name, quickly ask. By the way, one brother needs to be very smart here because you don't know if it is proper positioning this morning. If you don't get it, all right. So let me look at that neighbor now, call them by name and say, there. No, don't worry, you are permitted to use there. I am the one who allowed you. Say, there. Say, this morning, we're going to be talking about this thing called marriage. Say, what exactly is this thing called marriage, Seth? Go on. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. It says, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And I love that in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul came back again, you know, to also use that same scripture. I would have read the whole of Ephesians chapter 5, but for lack of time. But let me allow you, let me encourage you to please read Ephesians chapter 5 when you get back home. Anyone who desires a good marriage should read Ephesians chapter 5. I'm telling you, this is our bedrock. My marriage is 19 years this year to the glory of God. Amen. And trust me, this is not just a microphone thing or something that you say in public because you want to feel good about yourself. I mean, I don't like deceiving myself. But the truth is that it just feels like I got married last year. I'm telling you, to the glory of God. Amen. And I'm about to just share with you some of our personal experiences using the word of God and the things that God has taught us. Is that okay this morning? Is that okay this morning? Praise the Lord. All right, so... I see Paul here coming to quote the same um, scripture that was said in the beginning because for me, that's the definition of marriage. If you're looking for the definition of marriage, I'm begging you, please don't go to Google. Amen. Because they start giving you some LGBTQ nonsense there. So don't go there. If you want to know the definition, you have to come to look for the one who said it from the beginning. The one who ordained the institution from the beginning is the one who created. I mean, so who else would you go? If your, if your car is developing a fault, will you take it to the tailor? Where will you take it to? I said, who will you take it to? And sometimes even your mechanic cannot fix it. So if it's a care product, what do you do? You take it to care because they are the ones who manufactured and they know primarily what the issue is. Is that not so? Yeah, so that's what we do with marriage. If we want to know the definition, if we want to understand everything about marriage, then we need to go to the one who ordained and orchestrated because he's the one who knows truly what this is. So Ephesians chapter 5, we already see that there. So Paul came. Um, let me encourage you, please, don't be deceived that they start from verse 21 or verse 22 where it says wives submit because men always like that part. <laughs> we preach it. Preach it, pastor. Wives submit, Yes. Oga, it starts from verse 1. <laughs> from verse 1, it says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. So it's talking to all of us. It says, Follow God's example. Amen. Now we look at your neighbor and say, Follow God's example. 
Hallelujah. And then he says in verse 2, And walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So he gave that beautiful foundation all the way just to help us to understand that, look, you can't just suddenly come and start saying, Wife, submit to your husband. No, it doesn't start from there. It has to begin from the beginning. Amen. It has to start from the very beginning. What is the foundation? And these are the foundation, like I said, because of time, I won't be able to go through it. And then he came to verse 21, and then in verse 21, he says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So I'd like to bust your bubble, guys, because just before you start saying, Yaha! verse 22 says, wife, submit to your husband. What does he say in verse 21, guys? No, ah, verse 21. What does he say? Uh-huh. Then verse 22. Hallelujah. Verse 21 allows verse 22 to be. I said verse 21 is a requirement for what? You cannot come and be claiming somebody. In fact, the day you tell your wife to submit to you, you are veiled. Because you should not even be the one to tell her, submit to me. You've lost it there. So, but if you really want to understand, you have to start from verse 21 by submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Honestly, verse 22 becomes very easy. Nobody needs to come and hit me on my head. Nobody needs to beat me before I submit to my husband because verse 21 is in place in my home. Praise the Lord. All right, so, that, so he now says in that same, um, that same verse, or that same scripture of chapter um, 5. It now says, um, where are you? Okay, verse... Okay, let me see, let me see, let me see. Hmm. Okay, let's just read it. Let's read it. It will bless us. I'll move fast over it. So, verse 22, it says, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Ladies, say everything. Now, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Hmm. Let somebody say, hmm. He who does what? What does he do? So, on the other hand, he who does not love his wife does what? No, hates himself. The opposite of love is what? Hallelujah. So, when you don't love your wife, what do you do to yourself? Thank you. Verse 29. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. I know some of you gym. Even if you don't go to the gym, you exercise in the morning. Hopefully, well... <laughs> and then maybe you're careful about the kind of food that you're taking into your body. You're trying to not take, well, maybe because I'm a public health uh, specialist, I'm just assuming that everybody takes care of their bodies here. Right? Do you take care of your bodies? Please don't eat junk, so eh? it's not good for your bodies, please. Uh, and it's not just about now, it's for later in the future. Even, even about now, do you know there are people in their 20s, in their 30s who are diabetic? Do you know there are people in their 20s and 30s who are hypertensive? So gone are the days when we thought that it's for people who are elderly. 
you have to be careful about what you put in your body. All right. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will do what? Let's read verse 31 together. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will do what? Become one flesh. So this is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Glory to God. And this is very interesting to me because this is the only scripture, this, the marriage, the, man, the institution of marriage is the only thing that the Bible would explain using Christ and the church. I mean, that is profound. For me, if God would use that analogy, it means he's not joking with us. He's not joking about marriage. It's not something that we all come to try out. It's not something that is instituted by man. It's not the law. It's not the court. Okay, fine. Maybe it was a registry you went to. Don't be deceived. It's not man that joined you. You did it in the presence of people and in the presence of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so when you did that, what you had was marriage. And don't be deceived that it was because man joined you together, then man was the one that instituted it. No, man did not institute it. God instituted marriage. So there's something that I love here and I would like for you to see. So it says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. I'd like to say to you, man, that if you're not ready to leave your father and your mother, you're not ready to marry you. What did I say? If you're not ready to do what? Leave your father and your mother, you're not ready to marry. So what that means is this. If you're not ready to leave your father and your mother emotionally, if you're not ready to leave them physically, if you're not ready to leave them financially, if you're not ready to leave them spiritually, then you're not ready to get married. And what do I mean by that? If you're not ready to leave them emotionally, meaning that if in one day they have not heard your voice, they will not sleep, you are not ready for marriage. If in one hour... They are calling you everywhere up and... Have you seen those kind of parents before? Me, I have seen them before. <laughs> I'm telling you, trailing the guy up and down. You need to be able to let them cut you some slack. And you're the one who open your mouth to let them know, uh-uh, you don't do. Perhaps, maybe you're the only child, maybe you're the only son. Whatever it is that makes you their favorite and makes them still trail you that way, you have to be able to loosen yourself from them. You have to be able to lose yourself from them because that woman will not find it funny. Right now, I'm talking to the single guys. Well, and if you happen to, this message is for you. If you're married, you have not left, you need to know that you need to leave because if you don't leave, you can't truly cleave. Praise the Lord. All right, so leave emotionally. You need to leave physically. You can't be staying in your parents' house expecting that you will get married to your wife there. No, don't bring that woman into your father's house. Don't bring that woman into your mother's house. She's going to be under their control. It's going to be difficult for you, you guys to be able to live together as husband and wife the way God wants you to. Live spiritually. There are some of you that are still tied to your parents' apron. Oh, I know my mother is praying for me. So because of that, you're not praying. You don't have a prayer life because you're too sure. You could vow that this morning, I know if, any, if my mother wants to pray about anybody, it will be about me, Soji. Excuse me, you have to move past that. You have to leave and to cleave. Then leave financially. You want to ensure that you're still not leaving. You're, still, you're not daddy's boy. You're not mommy's boy. Any little thing, some 2K there, you know, some 5K there. They are not ready. You are not ready at all. So let's just tell ourselves the truth right now. So you need to leave your father and your mother to be joined to your wife and then only will you only at that point will you have what you call the one because 
in this definition of marriage, I can tell you there that God has one goal. And that goal is, he says, this two shall become one flesh. That's his goal. So God is looking to seeing us become one flesh. And it's going to take a whole lot to be there. Because <laughs> look at, in fact, the way that, the, that word, I looked up the word become. It says, uh, and they shall become one flesh. That word become is begin to be. So it doesn't mean that the day you got married on your wedding day, that was not the day. So spiritually in the eyes of God, you became one flesh. But in the flesh, you are becoming. You are on your way there. It's a journey. It's a process. So there are things that you will need to do, things that you will need to put in place, efforts of yours that you will need to put in place to ensure that you truly become the one that God desires. Hallelujah. So how do you begin to become one flesh? All right. Number one, for every single, I want to say this to you. Please allow me to say this to every single in this house. You are never too young to start thinking, praying, or talking about marriage. If you have a single person around you, help me look at that single person and say, you are not too young to start thinking about marriage. Say, you are not too young to start praying about marriage. Help me get out of your seats. Let me look for at least three people who are singles and say, you are not too young to start... You are not too young to start reading about marriage, to start praying about marriage. I wanted you to get out of your seat. You are sitting down. Oh, oh yeah, get out of your seat. Look for three people and say to the single around you, you are not too young. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. You're not too young. You're not too young. I remember, so the, one of the awesome things, you know, I celebrate you, Pastor Shion, and I'm grateful to God for this amazing church. Um, there's a lot of young people here, and I know when, when we had a conversation, in my spirit, I knew that God deliberately gravitated all these young people into this place for a reason. And one of the amazing things about young people is that People, never, people are never young forever. You're only allowed to be young for a while. In the next five years, the, trans the transformation that you would see here would be amazing. I'm telling you, a whole lot of transformation will be here. You know, I remember, in fact, I have so many stories, let me not even go there. But it's going to be a whole lot of transformation. So the same you who's here, one of these days will become a CEO somewhere. You know, one of these days will be a founder somewhere. One of these days will be an NGO owner somewhere. One of these days will be a school owner somewhere. You know, married with your own children. Praise the Lord. Please don't be deceived by how you see yourself right now. I'm telling you, you'll be, I mean, that's a whole lot of deception. It doesn't take time. It doesn't take, uh, it doesn't take much for time to pass. Did you get what I said? I said it, it doesn't take what? It doesn't take much for time. I look at myself sometimes and I can't even believe that I'm 19 years married. You know, sometimes I'm looking at my children. I have a son in the university. Sometimes I'm looking at him and I'm like, ah, I'm the one that owns this boy, you. as in like, because he's much taller than me. And so he will even be doing no manner of things, you know, holding me, hugging me, squeezing my neck and everything like that. And I'm thinking, I can remember when this boy was born, you know. 
So it doesn't take, it might, I mean, you don't, so you, one of the things that you would do, one of the deceptions would be to just look at your, yourself and feel like, ah, I'm still so young. <laughs> A query, <laughs> this is your Lagos. Omo, you're growing. And it won't take long for you to get to that place that you desire in Jesus' name. So you're not too young. I want you to give attention to your marital life and destiny. And why? Number one, because it determines whether you'll be miserable or happy for the rest of your life. If something matters that much to the rest of your life, should you not give attention to it? You should give attention to it. I was 21 when I started praying about my spouse. When I started praying about who to marry. Of course, I'm grateful to God. So thank God you are here in a church like this. Can you celebrate God for bringing you to Grace Made Christian Center? Because I was in the church back in Ibadan. It was a youth church. So they, my pastor always did everything to talk about everything that we needed to hear as singles. It was a blessing. Blessing prepared me for my future, prepared me for everything that you see God doing in my life now. Thank God for that solid foundation. So it, it, it's important okay that you start to think about it because it matters you your end you it matters your process and i pray for you you will be happy all your life in jesus name i said you will be happy all your life in jesus name i had to pray that i had to say that prayer because there are some people who are miserable some of you know what i'm talking about if you come from homes where things didn't work you know what i'm talking about how people can be miserable all their life how people can even die miserably that will never be your portion in Jesus' name. Number two, why should you give attention to marriage early? Because it determines where you spend eternity. There's some people who will go to hell because of the person they married. I'm telling you that. If you know that, let me see your hands up. If you know that, let me see your hands up. Oh, so I'm glad that I'm saying it here today. There's some people who will go to hell because of who they married. So they got married, they were on fire for the Lord. But then they married this fire extinguisher. My husband, <laughs> my husband calls them Pano Pano. Ah. Yes, because they got married and the, the guy or the girl starts to say, why are you even going to church all the time? Are you the one that killed Jesus? Are you Mary or what's your problem? You know, you, you wake up early in the morning quickly. You want to run down to church. Oh, we have rehearsal. Oh, we have a, an intercessory prayer. Oh, we, are, we have to go for evangelism. And, you know, the other person is just slothful. It's just, you know, well, do we really have to be there? Do we? Well, watch out. Oh. And one of the things that I know is this. God in his faithfulness would have shown you that even as a single. Even in your courtship days. Even before you ask the person to be to go out with you or to date you, I don't know what you guys say in this generation, but whatever it is, before you ask them out, you already know, you already have an idea of their spiritual state. You can't even say you don't know. Well, if you didn't know before you asked them out, at least when you dated for those period of time, you should have noticed that there's something strange or something not quite right or straight about this person. So it determines where you spend eternity. And for me, I think that's very, one of the most, in fact, the most important on this list. Number three, because the largest percentage of your lifetime will be spent with this one person. Can you be believe that? 75% of your lifetime will be spent with this one person. I didn't even have that privilege with my mother. I only had the privilege of being with her 26% of my life. Because I got married when I was 26. So imagine God spares my life till I'm 100. And with this person for the next 75 
years of my life. Is that not worth your investment? Is that not worth your time, your attention, your prayer, and your everything? Because now you should understand that if the rest of my life, if this, the majority of the time that is left in my life is going to be with this one person, then I need to be serious about this called marriage. Now, let's move on to the wrong assumptions about marriage. Let me quickly help the singles in the house. Wrong assumptions or approaches to marriage or about marriage. Wrong assumptions or people's wrong approaches to marriage. James chapter 3 verse 17, it says, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good faith, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And Proverbs chapter 12 verse 15, it says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. Say this morning, say, I'm a wise man. Say this morning, say, I'm a wise man. Say, I receive the wisdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. A wise person does not keep doing the same thing and expecting another different result. You, if you want your results to change, then you must be willing to embrace something different. And that's what I want to share with you this morning. So, number one, some people put more time in preparation for their wedding than they do for their marriage. So, we're preparing for this two days wedding or most of the time, this one day wedding, and you have been preparing for the last one year. That's fantastic, and you should prepare. But to prepare for your wedding without preparing for the marriage itself is a disaster. Because you can buy the most expensive wedding gown, buy the most expensive suit, use the most expensive event hall, you know, have the most expensive cameraman take your photo shoots. If you don't have a solid marriage or marriage plans, that marriage may just be heading for a rock. And that will not be your portion in the name of Jesus Christ. So people spend more time in preparing for their wedding, but no, you should not. You should actually, before you plan your wedding, you need to plan your marriage. Help me look at a single person and say, before you plan your marriage, so I beg your pardon, say, before you plan your wedding, you should plan your marriage. Look for somebody else and say, before you plan your wedding, Say, plan your marriage, oh. It's so important. Somebody is wondering, okay, so pastor, how will I do this? Number one, take pre-wedding counseling seriously. Take pre-wedding counseling seriously. It's so important. Some people think pre-wedding counseling is just that thing that you need, that essential requirement before we get married. If we don't do it, they will not allow us to use their church. Error. And that's the reason sometimes you're counseling with people, their minds are not there. In fact, I'm, I'm even getting concerned lately and I wanted to even share, you know, with the married team to say, look, when we do it too late, say like two months into the wedding, most of the time their mind is not there. Some, their tailor is calling them. The bridesmaid, they are calling them. We need to come and check our clothes. Ah, the food, we have not balanced it. Their minds are everywhere. Right there and then they are not even thinking about what you're talking about. The only thing in their head is how that day will go. Not knowing that this event is just a day and the lifetime that needs to be planned is not even being given the attention that it needs. So you need to go beyond that to say, taking your pre-wedding counseling seriously because I have seen, Pastor Shion, pre-wedding counseling where the, the marriage proposal ended there. The marriage did not take place. So. 
because of the things that we eventually unfolded in the course of that counseling. Last week, one still happened in my presence. Though this one was not a pre-marriage counseling. They, they've been dating for a while and there were issues already. And then, so they just wanted to bring me into the picture to see, I witnessed the separation. I'm just saying to you, look, it's not a do or die affair. In case you're engaged to somebody and it's, it feels like you're stuck, if you're already feeling that way, it is headed for disaster. You are just engaged to the person and already you're feeling like, oh my God, what am I doing here? But because you feel everybody already knows, oh, my family already knows, so what, what will they say? Oh, my age is not on my side. Oh, this, that, 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 that. Don't do that to yourself. If you compare the number of years that you have ahead the rest of your life to the breakup that will take place, I think you should pick the peace that is ahead for you. Because God is a God of restoration. Hallelujah. I said God is a God of what? Restoration. And you, guys, you both will find your... That's what I told that couple last week. I said you guys will be fine. Both of you love Jesus. There's no problem. I don't even have any fears for you. The only fear I have is if both of you go ahead. Because already I can tell you have, I mean, serious issues. Personality issues, then doctrinal issues. That one... In fact, we was on top. The personality one, I was even still trying to see how it will work and, you know, how we can panel beat the person who was having the challenge, you know, of adjustments. But when the doctrine came in, I said, I don't even bother. Everybody, be go, go and marry from your church. Don't worry. <laughs> don't even go there. Because that will continue and forever be an issue for them. So take premarital, pre pre-wedding counseling very seriously. Number two, have serious conversations don't just be going out going out ah please what are the joints that you guys have in lagos today you go to this place tomorrow you go i'm not saying you should not take them out because if they don't take in fact <laughs> so everything is balanced i mean life is about balance all right but then i'm not i'm just saying the the money that you'd have spent to build a house don't go and spend everything at the eatery and the joints and watching movies praise the lord Am I speaking to somebody? All right. So you need to have serious conversations. Serious conversations. Ask questions. Don't let things surprise you when you get married. You know? <laughs> I was telling my husband something yesterday, and he was laughing at me. I said, what? He said, because you said this in about five times or six times. I said, eh. I said, yes, no. Even before we got married, I already knew this thing. I said, okay. That's because we talk. We talk a whole lot. You should, you should talk so much that you know almost everything. Of course, you can't practically, you can't know everything. There are sometimes a pastor is preaching and he's like, oh, babe, you didn't know about this. And, you know, he's sharing it there and all that. But most of the time, there's hardly anything, any experience, any friend, any, there's hardly that he wants to talk about that I would not know because that's how much we talk. So you should spend time talking. You should spend time asking questions. Don't be afraid. Ladies, my sisters, my sisters, say yes, pastor. My sisters, I realize that everything rises and falls on you. And you have to be very careful. You don't have to feel like if you ask a question or you do something, he would leave you. Hey, let him leave. Eh? Did you hear me? I said, let him what? 
What, that, what it means is that he's not the one for you. If your question, your valid question will be a threat to him, then he's not the one for you. If questions about family, questions about his upbringing, if questions about there are certain details that you want to find out about. For, so for instance, let me give you an example. My husband is from a royal family. I needed to ask some very rooted questions. Do you people have some custom that you have to go and do in your house? <laughs> Seriously. I, I know that he's a pastor. He loves God. At the time, even at the time, he was already pastoring. But if there were battles or stuff that one needed to know, you should know. Because I know some people who got married only for them to find out that in that family there were certain requirements when you have just had the baby. In fact, certain requirements when you're pregnant. For her, in that family, all the wives, when they're pregnant, they have to come and deliver their baby with the in-laws. Yes. So they, they go there like a month ahead of the, the, the delivery date. They will go and stay with the, the mother, the mother-in-law, all the brides. Even if you live in Abuja, you come to, I don't want to mention the area, in the southwest, they go there. They all have to have their babies. So when it was their turn, because I, I pastored her in the Joyful Mother's Fellowship, when she shared that with me, I was like, ah, what kind of thing? Guess what? When I spoke with the, other, the husband, I realized even he didn't have power or control over it. He didn't know what to do. He didn't, I mean, for him, he felt like that's what all his siblings have done. So, I mean, so we tried to explain to him and let him see, look, you have to break this tradition. What exactly do you guys, it doesn't make sense. Why will she leave this place? So we realized that the first issue was that she, was, she, was, she didn't have a job. So it, was, it wasn't easy for her to hide because they knew she didn't have a job. So you can come every month for antenatal in that place. Imagine traveling some three hours to a place because that's the tradition in their family. So at five months of pregnancy, I had to trust God with her. She would get a job. My dear, she got a banking job. Yeah, so the glory of God. I knew that that job was to secure her life because it didn't make sense. When she came to tell me that she, they gave her the job, I said, ah, did they not see the bump? She said they saw it. Ah, okay, glory to God. So she got that job, and that, I mean, they used that job as an excuse, as an excuse till she had the baby, had the baby in the bathroom. I said, okay, you have had the baby. Oh, yeah, bring the baby back home for the naming. Ah. <laughs> so we had to intervene at that point, and then my husband was like, oh, spoke with the dad and said, he's not very healthy for the, them to travel with a newborn. Don't worry, everything you want. If you want it the orthodox way, all the songs, all, anything you want, we can recreate it for you. That's how they, they were delivered. But beyond that, there were so many other things. Got married, they were supposed to pour water with a calabash. Very funny things. Drink one thing, drink. You have to ask questions. These things are not jokes, so. They are happening in 21st century. So you have to wake up to the reality. So the next one, have a mentor. Yeah, you guys are so blessed. You have your beautiful pastors here. Have a mentor. People who model what you would like to see in your own marriage. Watch them closely. Ask them questions. Don't be arrogant. Don't be proud to ask questions. You have to humble yourself. If you don't know, you don't know. My husband and I are 19 years in marriage to the glory of God, but we have people that we look up to. Our own parents in the Lord, they are there, Reverend Victor and Pastor Dumoke, are they me? Okay? People that we can, we ask them questions. We learn from them. 
We ask them questions, we learn from them. Guess what? I don't only ask questions or learn from them. Even the younger people, I learn from them. I watch them. That's why I love attending weddings. Because when you attend weddings, it does something to you. It kind of revives your romantic life, your feelings, wakens a part of you that may have been sleeping, a part of your marriage that may have been asleep. Because when you see them doing lovingitis, you two you will grab your husband and say, ah, you cannot even touch me. You cannot even, you cannot see how they are doing it. <laughs> and then you, you know, so it's like seeing a new vision. A, a new vision is cast right be, be, before you because you see two people who are in love and you know, there's a way people are behaving on their wedding. Normally, oh, because there are some people who are fighting on their own wedding day. May that not be your portion in Jesus' name. But, you know, like, not because I remember me and my husband on our wedding day, my sister was just complaining. You people, you are not even in this wedding, in this reception. You are just doing your own thing. I said, eh, yes now. She said, they have joined us together. You people be eating your food. I said, you are just talking cha-cha-cha-cha-cha. You are just laughing. You are just, you know, doing your own. I said, eh, hey, eh, hey, now. Enjoying ourselves. So, and that's how it should be. Praise the Lord. So, you need to have people who will model to you what you need to see. And finally, pray. Because I'm realizing that we're getting a generation of people who don't think it's important to pray about their marital destinies anymore. To pray about the person who they want to spend the rest of their lives with anymore. They say that uh, it's okay for them to just choose whoever. Ah, it is well with you. I don't know if, if you have ever bought apples. It looked good. But when you go home and you cut it open, what did you find inside? What did it look like on the inside? Rotten sometimes, maybe worms. But on the outside, did you find anything that made it look like, yeah, that's what it looks like when you don't pray about who you choose. Because God, the Bible says that God, was, um, the Bible says that um, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are what? They are the sons of God. And God is still interested in leading us, even concerning our marital destinies. It's not just on every other thing alone. God wants to lead us on everything about our lives. Help me look at your neighbor and say, God wants to lead you on everything about your life. Say, God is interested in leading you on every single detail of your life. God doesn't want you to get home and discover that the, the apple is rotten. No, 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 no. You need to find out whether it is rotten or not. God, and God will always find a way of showing you. Me, I almost made that mistake. Oh, God saved my life. <laughs> Today is not the day for the story. Let me leave it. You know, Pastor, I was thinking about this. When I was preparing for this marriage, I think we need to have a, uh, maybe like a retreat. You know, we could have like a singles retreat and then marriage ret retreats, you know, for married people. So that that way we can actually spend more time together. We can be, I, I offer myself as an offering. <laughs> I'm sure I'll be able to drag Pastor along as well. <laughs> Let's do this. Let's do this. Because I realized that we need to give attention to marriage. I was telling Pastor that recently um, in church, we have um, couples fellowship called, called Couples Connect, and it's for all marriage ages. But I, I sometime recently, I started having a burden for the younger couples because somehow I felt like they were not really giving attention to. And God gave me this illustration. You know, this analogy felt like little children. When you just have a child, when you just had a child, you know, a baby grows into, from infancy into being a toddler, and then in three, and then four, and then five. You have to be careful about those growing years. You have to nurture. You have to give attention. That child wants to jump 
from this place. I'm sure your babies after service, they are all over the place. And then they see the 10-year-old trying to fly from this place. And then the one-year-old wants to do the same thing. Because he thinks ah, he's done it, so let me do it. I realize that that's what's happening in marriages. So the younger marriages watching the older marriages, whether they did it right or wrong, they just follow. So I came with my own ideology of marriage. You came with your own ideology of marriage. We form it and then we think that's the way to go. And somebody needs to help at that point to form it. I will get there. Don't let me get ahead of myself. But I'm just saying you need to pray. Praise the Lord. Now, number two, we're talking about wrong assumptions. Take, some people take their vocation more seriously than they do their marriage. You need to invest into your, vo- into your marriage like you would your vocation. Some of you are planning to write your, uh, your um, what do you call it, ACCA. You're planning to write your master's program. Do this, do that, do that. The same way you're planning to do those things, give attention to your marital destiny. The fact that you're here this morning is a proof that you love God and that you want to have a good marriage. Praise the Lord. Number three, a good marriage will not just happen. You must be willing to... Uh, no, no, no. So I said, a good marriage would not just happen because you desire it. You must get down to work. I said what? What did I say? A good marriage would not just happen because you what? What should you do? I said, a good marriage would not just happen because you do what? I need to say that because I know how it is for girls, especially, for ladies. You know, since you were a child, well, for the most part, especially for those who had good examples around them. But for people who didn't have good examples around them or who had, you know, um, some uh, emotional, deep emotional hurt, um, painful experiences, maybe of separation, of abuse, you know, they saw all of those things. Sometimes they grew up not wanting to even get married. They didn't even want to have anything to do with marriage. Sometimes they even said, okay, you know what, I'll just do, I'll just go and do um, IVF, or something, I don't need to marry anybody, I just, you know, if you're here and you're like that, please, you need somebody to talk to. You need help, and my, my Sheon and Pastor Sheon and Pastor Sheon, they are here to help you. I can tell you, there is hope for you. It can never be over, I'm telling you. And for people like you, God even, there's a ministry in that, I can tell you that. Because if God delivers you, you will be able to help other people. Because there are so many other people in that shoe. But basically, I'm just saying that a good marriage will not just happen because you desire. You must get down to work. If you ever see somebody's garden look beautiful, don't just desire it. Whatever it is they are doing to make it beautiful, you need to do the same. They watched out for the weeds. They took out the weeds. They had to roll up their sleeves to get the weeds out. Sometimes there were some strong plants and they needed to, uh, you know how you, I don't know if you, I mean, those of, I went to a boarding house, so I, I did some of these things. We cut grasses, stubborn grasses. Sometimes your cutlass would not even do it. You had to pull it. And when you pulled it, you pulled it with the whole of your strength it's, and splattered stuff on you. You get dirty. That's how marriage can be sometimes to get down to working and to ensuring that your marriage works. So if you're seeing people's marriages working, it's because they are working and you need to work yours too. Number four, having feelings for someone is enough to marry them. That's an error. To think that, oh, I just have feelings for this person. No, 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 no. It's beyond feelings. It can't be feelings. Feelings will never carry anybody's mind. If you're married here and your feelings have held your marriage, please let me see your hands up. 
Nobody. Aha. Including me. My hand is not up. Our feelings never held us. Those feelings are important. But the feelings are not the basis for our marriages. What do I mean by feelings? You know, that feeling that you're going out with someone and they said they were going to call you by 4 p.m. When it is 10 minutes to 4, your heart is racing. Because you're like, oh my God, there's a call coming. There's a call coming. And it's 4 o'clock, Pastor Sean, he doesn't call. Hey! The baby is almost fainting because like, ah, she be like, said it wasn't coming. And it didn't even call me. And your face has changed. And you know, you're already angry, already upset. And then the guy calls by 401, hello, sweetie. And you're angry because you're like, she be said you will call me at 4. The guy says, ah, just, I only missed it by one minute. You don't know what was going on in that heart. It's the feelings. It was racing, you know. But I want to tell you that those feelings there, eh, sometimes they're, they, we throw them into the bush in marriage. <laughs> I'm telling you, I beg, I beg. <laughs> and then what will hold it together is the friendship that you have built. And what I call this is, is God, God gave this to me very quickly. Number one, the fickle love, the friendship, and the forever love. So the fickle love is that one that is, is not dependable. Is that feeling the grish, grish, grash, grash, whatever <laughs> that you call it, you know, that comes, it changes frequently. It is not essentially loyal because sometimes it's based on what you see. So you see her, she's like, oh, size eight, oh my God. When that size eight becomes a size 16, will you still like it? I said, will you still like it? <laughs> Glory to God. Can we talk in this place? Eh? When that guy with the six pack right now comes up with the... Will you still like what you'll see? Will the gish gish be there? Sometimes life happens. Sometimes people get married and the babies don't come when they want it. And they have had to wait for the five years, sometimes even more. But something has to hold the marriage together and it definitely cannot be those feelings alone because it's needed. But not, it can't be those feelings alone. So you have the fecal, the next one you have the friendship, which is very important to hold the marriage together. Building friendship. So if you're dating somebody right now, don't let, the, don't let it end with the feelings. Don't suddenly pick a date for marriage based on those feelings. Because one day he might wake up and realize that you actually was not the one that he wanted. Let me tell you, even after marriage, people develop feelings for other people. But the friendship that both of you have together is called commitment. That's what holds you together through it all. It is that friendship that helps you to even find help with the other person when you are misbehaving. Because you have a friend to come back home to, to come and confess to what you have done. But if it's just the flaky, flaky feeling, you'll just be flaking all over the place. And then the final one is the forever love, which is the agape, of course. The agape love, if this person is not even born again, forget it. They don't have it. Because the Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 5, verse 5, it says that the love of God was shared abroad in our heart by who? 
by the Holy Spirit. This kind of love can only be gotten in the people who love God, who know God, who have accepted him as their Lord and Savior, who are walking the walk and not just talking the talk. The people that in the days of adversity will be able to stand with you through it. You know, sadly, I heard a story yesterday of a, a, a lady who was having recurrent miscarriages, recurrent miscarriages, and do you know after a while, the husband's family said the reason she's having the miscarriage is because she's a banji. So can you imagine two born again Christians who love each other? And the, we, the, the, the guy's siblings will come and oppress the wife. He will be there or he won't say anything. He will be there. He won't stay, as in, they, I'm not talking, is educated people. As in educated people met in church, as in Pentecostal born again people. Before she knew it, he had impregnated somebody else. So it was when they brought the babe, the baby home to her that you know she told herself, you know what, this is enough. And she left. So my question was, where did the love go? The love he professed from the beginning, what happened? Can anybody explain? So for me, it wasn't really there. For me, it wasn't agape. Because I have people in my life, people around me, who've gone through so much together. And they're still, I'm sure you know people like that, right? And they're still sticking together through it all. The pains are there, the hurts are there, the, the going throughs are there, but they are sticking together. That's agape. May God give you that kind of spouse in the name of Jesus. I said, may God give you that kind of spouse in Jesus' name. How many more minutes do I have, position? Five minutes. Good. So divorce is not an option. No, that's number five. Because some people think divorce is not a big deal. So if my marriage doesn't work, I'll just walk away. Have you heard that before? I mean, on social media, I see the way divorce is yeared. Talked about as though, you know, it's just normal occurrence. I mean, if, if your marriage is not working, walk, just walk out now. What's the, what are you waiting for? We are incompatible. That's the word they like to use. What is the definition of incompatibility, please? Because I'm like, this is some big grammar here that I think some people don't even actually have, they don't have a, an idea of what it means. They just go like, ah, we're not compatible. We're not compatible. We're not compatible. I'm, of course, I'm not talking about the extreme cases of um, physical abuse. That one, my husband and I, we don't joke with it. If I know of any man who is physically abusing his wife, personally, I will carry the police to go and arrest him. That's how seriously we take this. So uh, that one, I, do, I don't even go there. That's totally like unacceptable. But I'm talking about different issues that people go through in their marriages. Because everyone goes through stuff in their marriages. If there's anybody who is, has lied to you that they have never had a quarrel, a misunderstanding, everything is always sweet and rosy, they are lying. Because the conflict is part of the package. It came with the package. Hallelujah. And God expects us to walk it together and resolve conflicts and get it right. Praise the Lord. So God wants us to take very seriously our marital journey, our marital destiny. 
I had something to say to the married people, but I'm hoping they've been blessed by what I've said already. <laughs> oh, okay. Praise God. <laughs> Thank you so much, Pastor Shion. So sorry about this. Now, said now that we are married, because I want to marry, I want to marry. Now I don't don't marry. <laughs> so now that we are married, how can I build a strong foundation? How can I build a solid foundation? You know, I was telling you about the uh, first few years of marriage that I started. Okay, no, I didn't tell you, finished up the gist. So I was saying that I looked at them and I was feeling, I had a burden in my heart for them because I looked at them. It felt like, you know, the scripture said that they were like, you know, sheep without shepherd in a, in a way. So they would come, they would attend Couples Connect and they would be aloof. Just be looking at all of us. I say, people, we are... 10 years married, 7 years married, they were just boasting and bragging about their wife, about how they are doing this. They'll be looking oppressed, like, what's going on here? <laughs> and so many times, even when people are asking questions, they can't really ask their question, because if they ask the question, the others will be laughing, like, you, where have you just come from? What kind of question is that? You know, like that. And God just put in my, in my heart that we needed to do something for them. So we had something called post-wedding party, and we talked about so many, it was so much fun. It was really, really awesome. And all that. And they really enjoyed it. They decided they wanted to keep the group. They wanted to stick together. And from there, I realized that they started building friendship among themselves and all that. So it was really awesome. But that also built something in me. And I guess that that's one of the things that the Lord um, used to prepare me for this meeting today. You know, so I realized that for people in younger marriages, like a child, they need nurturing, they need a lot of attention. So I'm saying to you, if you're newly married, if you're, if you're just about to get married, you need to give attention to your marriage at this season, especially zero to five, zero to three years. You need to give attention to your marriage. You know, uh, at this season, your hearts are open to learn because you just got there. So for you, you're like, okay, how do they do it too? Please, please, what's going on here? You're not ashamed to tell anybody, okay? Because the moment you're like four, you're like five, you start coming to a realization. So it's like, just, well, as I'm mentioning these uh, marriage ages, just imagine children, because that's exactly how God gave me, you know, this idea. Because once a child is like four or five, he's already becoming aware. In class, if people laugh at him, he's upset. He already understands. Well, if he's two, if he's three, somebody laughs at him, he doesn't even, even he's laughing. <laughs> he just put on his body. Boy, he's laughing. As you're laughing at him, he too is laughing. He doesn't feel upset. He doesn't feel snared. He doesn't feel like, well, that's your problem. But the moment it's like five, six, he will cry. When you're laughing, he'll cry because it feels like, oh, I, I just did it. So imagine that with marriages. Imagine that with me. So if you're just newly married, you need to give attention. Your hearts are open to learn. You're easier. It's easier to unlearn whatever it is, the baggages that you brought from your home, your, you or your wife, whatever ideologies that are wrong that you both brought, it's easier to, you know, especially when somebody tells you the truth. Because the Bible says you will know the truth. What will the truth do to you? The truth always sets free. So somebody tells you something you've never learned. Pastor Shion or Pastor Shion come, they preach, they teach. You're hearing this this morning. You will listen to other ministers and you just pick the truth there or from the scriptures. And you're like, oh my goodness. 
So what we've been running with all these days is trash. And then you'll be humble enough to trash that and pick up the truth, okay? Habits are formed at this stage of a young marriage. Habits are formed, new habits are formed, good or bad. Which is a good, which is, if it's good, it's a good foundation for your marriage. I mean, pastor is into the building um, sector. And he, he knows that for you to have a, a, a strong building, what is the requirement? A strong foundation. But guess what? It requires time. It requires a lot of resources. It requires a lot of effort. I remember when we were building Grace Cathedral back in Ibadan. And each time people gave towards the foundation laying, it felt like, like Pastor would say, <laughs> it felt like the ground was just eating up the money. Eating the money. Ah, let this thing rise. Let it rise. But it's because something needs to be held. Something needs to hold it together to the glory of God. So the building is standing as an edifice because something is holding it together. And that's what the first few years of your marriage is about. That you're giving it a lot of effort, a lot of attention, a lot of time together to ensure that, you know, you guys just do a good work. Because after a while, if you have laid a solid foundation, the rest is easier. You'll just be gliding through it because of the work that you've put there. But if you did not put in that work, ah, you will come back to do it. It will be a lot of struggle. So you are 10 years, you are 15 years, you are 20 years, and it feels like, ah, what is going on? It's because there was something that you were supposed to write that is still not in place. You needed to put something in place. So research on divorce says that divorce are most common between years one and two. Can you be that? So I love you, I love you, it's all over. After one year, two years. And then five to eight years. But it says it is most common between seven and eight years. Most common. I'm sure that was a shock for me because I honestly thought, okay, maybe older people, older marriages were usually the ones that got divorced, especially when they, the children have grown and they are gone and then they, they realize, well, the, what kept us together is over. They've gone to their cell. But I realized that at, the, at that point, they don't want to leave. So they've been together, so they don't mind enduring till the end. But may you not endure in Jesus' name. I said, may you not endure your spouse in the name of Jesus. May you truly enjoy each other in the name of Jesus. That's the plan of God. So what should you then do to build this solid foundation, to have this strong foundation? Number one, pray together. Oh, I will never stop emphasizing this. And this is not being spooky or anything. I'm sure you've heard this before. A family that prays together stays together. Look, it's not a cliche. Let me tell you right now. It is the truth. It is the truth. Help me look at your spouse if your spouse is next to you and say a family that prays together truly stays together. Yeah. So if you're here as a single person, and you're not praying as a single. When you get married, what will you do? <laughs> if you are single and you're not praying, when you get married, what will you do? You'll be going out. Uh, you'll be going out. Pastor Shim, I don't know if you remember those times that when we want to dedicate babies, naming ceremonies, and then you ask the father to pray over their babies. You will hear all manner of prayers. 
I'm short of saying plus Jesus minus Satan. That's what their prayers normally, almost sounds like that. Without them saying it that way. That's ridiculous. I mean, for most of the time in that situation, I'm feeling for the lady. Because I'm thinking, how did you get here? How? <laughs> how did you get here? In the first place, when you're in labor, what is he doing? What is he doing? Drinking. Pacing. Please, who needs pacing when they are trying to deliver a baby? Women, did you need pacing when you are trying to deliver a baby? What did you need? Hallelujah! Singles, you have heard, oh. Single ladies, you have heard. If you go and marry Ghana, Ghana, he will be Ghana, Ghana, eh? When you are trying to have your baby. That's what will be happening. But imagine that you're having your baby. Oh my God, thank you, Jesus. I remember when I was having Demi Lade, I was, my husband was at the back of the hospital, Vine Hospital at the time. I was, I was serious compassion. I said, yes, correct. <laughs> because at that point, I didn't have any energy to pray anything again. Well, I prayed everything we can pray. Please, I cannot come and pray anything again. Please, let somebody else take it from here. It was just awesome, refreshing. And that is awesome. And I'd like to say this to every man. Even your daughters want to hear you pray. That's one thing, one beautiful gift that my father gave me. He went to be with the Lord 19 years ago. He's going to be 20 years this year. My dad only had the privilege of walking me down the altar three months after he passed. But guess what? If there's anything... My father prayed for us. In fact, I used to say that, you know how when you're trying to get a baby to sleep, you have what you call lullabies, right? As a child, I was very fearful. I don't know what the cause is. I don't know what the issue was, but I was a very fearful child. But almost every night when my daddy walks that corridor in, our, in his house and is praying, I would just sleep. It just felt like the hand of God upon me. I, would just, I mean, of course, I didn't understand until I was grown to realize the power of prayer. So if a father here, you can't imagine what your prayer covering would do in your family. In the first place, you're a priest. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. So, mommy, if you want to get a priest over your house, single ladies, you have the privilege of picking now before it's too late. Because if somebody is married to that person right now, who is a it is well, they will have to it is well together. But if you have the privilege of picking the right person, please do that. So pray together. Number two, forgive quickly. I don't need to spend more time on that because you know that. Okay, there are some of you here, you're always holding on, holding on, holding grudges. It won't pay you. It doesn't make sense, please. Maybe when you were still dating, you had friends, you could do that. Now you are married, don't do that. You don't have time. You don't have time. Yeah, God wants to bless you. God wants to do mighty things. Let the heart go. Please, let it go. Let it go. It doesn't make sense. Forgive quickly. Number two. Three, wives submit, like Bible says, husbands love your wife. Okay? Submit to your husband in everything. Submission is not foolishness. It doesn't mean you're stupid. Okay? You are being smart when you're submissive. 
And let me tell you, when you submit to your husband, you will get double for everything you ever want. Because if you want to really get your husband, all you need to do is submit. Husbands, if you want to get your wife, love her. The scripture is complete. If you do this to husband, love. Wife, submit. Is equal to fantastic marriage. I'm telling you, proven, tested. Number four, share financial expectations. I realize that finances is one of the major causes of divorce. There are three major causes, but finances is one. Infidelity is one, but financial, finances, money, hmm, money matters. It's a serious one. So share financial expectations. Don't assume that this other person knows what. No. Okay? Just don't assume. And if you're single, please, I beg you, don't start your life out by being the man, if you're a single lady. Don't try to take up the responsibility of a man if you're a lady. If you start it now, you will have to continue it all your life. Whatever you started, you will have to sustain. Because I know of ladies, they are the ones who bought the wedding gown, bought the guy's suit, practically paid for... I know that maybe there are a few cases where, you know, things may be different. Maybe the guy didn't really have money, and then, you know, when things turned around, he was grateful, he took care of his wife and everything. But from a pastoral point and a counseling point, the ones that may have seen, the moment you have done that, eh, by the time you get married, you have to pay for the upkeep. You have to start paying the house rent. When your kids come, you have to pay the, house, the, the school fees. I'm just saying. So please beware. Talk about financial expectations. What do you, what, who is bringing what to the table? Don't be ashamed of talking about money. No. Be vocal about it. What are we putting together? What are we bringing to the table? If we don't have enough, what are we going to do? When my husband and I were going to get married, my husband was working in First Bank. And we looked at the salary and we saw, look, this salary cannot carry both of us. Because I was not working at the time. I was doing business, but the business was not consistent, consistently bringing in the profit that we desired. So we talked about him getting a, another job. And he got a job to GTB. In fact, it was our wedding gift because the job came in like a month before our wedding to the glory of God. So if we did not talk about it, that would not have happened. Because we keep deceiving ourselves that we will live on this, we will live on And we knew that it was not possible. Yes, the just shall live by faith. I'm sure you know your pastor. Let me not go there. Yeah. He would have taught you what I wanted to go to, so let me leave it. So the next one, support each other's dreams, goals, and aspirations. Married people, please support each other's dreams. Let it not be one-sided. Let it not just be the one person who's getting it all. Both of you must be growing together. If you're going for a master's degree or postgraduate uh, or certification, find out from your wife what they would like to do too. Both of you must grow together. If you don't grow together, that's trouble, trouble looming. You know? Because one day, the guy will wake up and realize we are not on the same. So he begins to compare you with his colleagues at work. So Yemi all of a sudden starts looking appealing. 
because she's very intelligent. So when you get to the office, it's Yemi you want to talk to. When you get back home, you still want to continue talking to Yemi because oh my own makes sense, government. You know, because I'm into engineering stuff, so she knows a lot of engineering things. Oh my makes sense, government. Because, sister, you are still doing slow motion. Please don't do that. Support each other's dreams. Split the, the, the money. You do this, I do that. The goals, the aspirations. Dream together. Dream big dream, dreams. God-sized dreams. When you share the dreams and it seems too small, help the other person to dream bigger. Say, no, 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 it can be better than this. It can be better than this. It can be better than this. Don't be intimidated by the other person's dream. And then try to water high down. And say, ah, no, you can't do it, oh. Ah, you see people like you that they need there. Yeah, no, you don't, have, you don't have the qualification. You don't have the qualification. My worry, my worry. Don't do that. What, what is the requirement to have that qualification that you are saying she can't have? There's nothing impossible, people. Thank God for all the things that were read up here. Thank God for Jesus. My degree was, my first degree was in arts, Bachelor of Arts. 20 years down the line, I'm in medical sciences. How do you suddenly move from arts to sciences? It's because there's no impossibility with God. If you can dream it, you can achieve it. So I'm here studying medical sciences, masters in public health, in college of medicine, because I believed I could. So I'm in class with medical students. I'm in class with pharmacists. I'm in class with researchers. I don't understand it, they will explain to me. I don't understand it, I will pray about it, I will read it. And we are making progress, hallelujah. So there's nothing like is you can't have it. It's not true. If you really want to have it, there's a way. So encourage one another to get there. Because there is a way. It is possible. Except if you don't want it. But if you want it, you can encourage and push each other until you get what you really, truly desire. The next one, spend time together. Make the time out. Put phones away. See, this, this thing, eh? Please, if you have your phone, raise it up. If you have your phone, will you raise it up? Say in the name of Jesus. Say, this thing will never be a hindrance in my marriage. It will never bring trouble <laughs> to my marriage in the name of Jesus Christ. Because I know what this thing has done in a lot of homes. And we have to be aware. You have to be careful. You know, somebody is on Facebook. The other person is on Instagram. You haven't even spoken. You've not had real conversations. Because you're always on your phone. Always on your devices. Okay, so from home, from work, you bring your work home. And you claim that it's work. Sometimes it's not really work. If we come to check what you are doing on the device. And, you know, before you know it, there's a separation. You are bringing a gap between the two of you. A gap. A gap. So you need to make time deliberately to gist together, have movie nights together, 
You don't always have to go out to go and see the movie. You can see it in your house. Thank God for Netflix. You can see movies together. Buy the popcorn and come and pop it in your house. <laughs> Buy the biscuit, the chocolates, whatever it is you want to have together. Sit down on the floor and create a movie arena. Create the atmosphere you want. Light the candles. Amen. If you're, near, if you're newly married, I'm happy for you. Because especially if the babies have not arrived, you can do anything. Hey! My sisters, you can do what? Anything. Let me put it this way. bebe. If you know what bebe is. You can do bebe. <laughs> Wear your bomb shorts everywhere in the house. Let the guy be chasing you up and down. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Am I helping somebody? Because I hope there's no lady here who is tying rapper everywhere. God forbid bad thing. Don't do that. Eh? Let him be chasing you up and down. Let him want to come back from work because, hey, something is waiting for me there. Even when the baby starts arriving, there's still a way around it. You can still walk around it. Whatever you need to do, do it. But by all, the, by all means, make time for one another. The next one, communicate regularly. It's very important. I just talked about your phones right now. The next one is your besties. Have you heard about this bestie, Wahala? May the Lord deliver us from besties, oh. I didn't know that it was such an issue until I brought it up in our zero to three platform. And I was hearing Orishi Rishi. Oh my goodness. I'm like, what? What is going on here? He said, ah, that's so. This bestie matter, we don't understand. So the guy comes and he talks about this babe that he's known from secondary school, as in like, Oida, ah, no, 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 we grew up together. She knows everything about me. Yes, she knows everything about me. And then you two, you come and say, ah, my school father. <laughs> he took care of me when I was in, in the school. Now, when I even got to UNICEF, he was still there. Why did you not marry him? You should have married them now. Why are you troubling your spouse with all those uh, funny, funny besties up and down, up and down? Eh? What God has joined together, let no bestie put us on down. Because one of the things that this bestie matter does is that you will realize that your heart is in divergent uh, position. How will I put it? So your heart is in two places. You may think you don't have a thing with them, like an emotional thing with them, but you don't even have to have an emotional thing with them. Whatever you think you have with them is already a threat to your marriage. Because let me tell you something, I'm speaking on behalf of your spouse. They don't like it. <laughs> they don't like it. So please put this your bestie in one place. Eh? By the way, there should only be one bestie, your spouse. And look, I'm not just talking about the opposite sex alone. Even the same sex. Your friends of the same sex. So you're with your friend all day. You guys are gisting, gisting, gisting. Your husband arrives from work and you're like, hey, babe, welcome, welcome. And you're still there. <laughs> and you're still there. And you go to the kitchen. You guys are chatting away, talking, laughing. <laughs> you're there, you're cooking. Instead of you to even, you did check on him, you didn't ask how he's doing, you're still talking. 
And then you, he, he gives you one minute, you serve him, and you're back with your bestie. No thanks to WhatsApp. And you're there, 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 there. You are just creating an unnecessary gap in your marriage. And one of the things that does is that when you have issues and things you need to sort as a couple, you will have things to fall back on. Thank you. You will have things to fall back on. Okay. So you have to, that you have to fall back on. <laughs> and you shouldn't have a marriage, especially when you're nearly married. Please don't have an, a plan B. A plan B can be anything. A plan B can be your bestie. And that's why I personally don't even advise that you get people should live with you in your house when you're newly married. That's a plan B. Because every time you have an issue, you always have somebody else to fall back on. And you will not be able to resolve your matters. Praise the Lord. And then finally, I want you to know about training up children. That is not just about a skill. The Bible says train up your child in the way he should go. When he grows, he would not depart from it. I want you to know that training up children is not just about a skill. It starts with being the model that you want them to be. Because to raise your children is not a, about what you say to them alone. It's what you model. And the way to start modeling is to have a good marriage. The way to start modeling is to have a peaceful marriage. When you fight, your children don't like it. They cry. They run away from the scene because they don't want to see you hurt. They love to see. That's why you see kids giggling when, they, when, you, when you kiss your spouse. Does that not happen in your home? If you kiss, kiss your, your spouse, you, they'll be giggling. That's what they love to see. When you hold, hug each other, when you hold each other, even babies, you, they will take a look at you guys like, what are you doing? But they like it. Imagine the, 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 the contrary. You raise your hand and you slap your spouse. Your baby will cry because it's absurd. It's strange. This is, not, this is inflicting harm. So I don't want to see this. This is not what I want to see. So if you want to have healthy, healthy godly children, you have to start with parenting. And for you as a single, it has to start from you picking the right daddy or the right mommy for them. God bless you. <laughs> Thank you for listening to today's message. We do hope you were inspired. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't and share with your loved ones and people around. God bless you.